Welcome to Wonder Tour with Derek Cobb and Drew Perot, where we are learning leadership lessons from your favorite stories. Hi, I'm Brian Litwell. And I'm Derek Cobb. And I'm Drew Perot. And we are on a journey to become better leaders by touring fantastic worlds and inspiring lore by going on a wonder tour. We connect leadership concepts to story context because it sticks to our brains better. You can find out more at wondertourpodcast.com. For the final leg of our episode 100 extravaganza, we're going to do something that's a little bit treaded, but we feel like we subvert the narrative enough here on Wonder Tour to be able to have a cliche top 10 list to sum up our first 100 episodes. This episode is going to be the first five Wonder Tour all-stars of our top 10 list. Our top 10 list is created by going back to the first 99 episodes, all the different properties that we've been through, all the heroes and mentors that we've talked about. Derek and Brian and I ranked them, and we're gonna revisit some of the best moments and character traits that these heroes have to remind ourselves what it means to be a magnanimous leader. Welcome to Wonder Tour. All right, Wonder Tour, top 10 magnanimous leaders, the all-stars. So our top 10 format, we will have three that are individual choices from each of our hosts, and then we'll have seven that we sort of collectively ranked highly. So I'll go ahead and lead off here with our first elective all-star. My choice is going to be the unnamed character, the Ancient One from the Marvel Doctor Strange movie. And I come back to her because of the one line that I keep quoting as we've gone through the rest of this series, at the moment when she is passing away, or she's dying in her astral form, she's having sort of her parting words of wisdom for Stephen Strange. And she says, Arrogance and fear still keep you from learning the simplest and most significant lesson of all. It's not about you. And I love this. Uh, this, this, is, this, is a important, this is a helpful lesson for me. As many of us are, I'm very prone to making it all about me. But this is the lesson that Stephen Strange has to learn throughout this movie. This is a lesson that most of our heroes have to learn at some point, is that the point of the world, the point of being a magnanimous leader is not for your success. The point of being the magnanimous leader is to affect changes in the world and to empower other people to success. And so I think we're going to see this on this top 10 list. We're going to see a, uh, a preponderance of mentor characters, a preponderance of experienced figures who are passing the, the skills down through the generations as the best avatars of the magnanimous leader, not just the ones who are learning it for the first time or the ones who are on the front lines leading the charge themselves. So Ancient One is my personal pick for the Wonder Tour All-Stars. Yeah, well, she definitely gave us that quote, it's not about you, which we've carried through every episode since. From the beginning, we said we're becoming magnanimous leaders for the good of others. Now, this gives more meaning to it, again, because it attaches it to a story. We can see the story of Stephen Strange, the experiences that he goes through, where all the way from the beginning of the movie, you know, he is successful, he has all this skill, he's wealthy, etc., but it's all about him. And so as soon as some of that is taken away from him, he has to learn the lesson, hey, was I ever really happy in the first place? Is that where joy comes from? <laughs> Maybe a little bit, but... Not a lot of it, right? And and he has to come to understand that his role in the world as this powerful sorcerer, you know, the role of all wizards, ideally, as we'll talk about a number of wizards on this list <laughs> of different sorts, is to bring good into the world, to maintain order in the world and create order in the world and empower others to be able to flourish in the world. 
And so the ancient one, you know, trying to pass off some of those wizarding traits to Stephen Strange, who needs to carry them on in her absence, leaves him with that really important statement. It's not about you. Awesome. All right, Drew, who do you got? All right. So I think we all went with some slightly off the beaten path heroes. So my honorable mention here, my personal selection here is Saito from Inception. When people, and by people, I mean me most of the time, do icebreakers in, you know, workshops or larger meetings where we're just trying to get people to get to know each other. One of my favorite questions to ask is, if you could be any hero or leader from your favorite fiction, who would it be? Or nonfiction, but a lot of times I like to use fiction because people are a little bit more willing to get outside the box. And my canned answer, though I will change it upon occasion, is always Saito. Ken Watanabe does such a good job of acting this role. I pretty much love him and everything he does here, but this is the only real business leader on this list. Spoilers coming up, we'll have a businessman? Question mark? This is like the only business leader that we see on this list for a podcast that's 50% about business applications of things. So why Saito then? Well, upon first watch of Inception, it almost seems like he might not be a good guy. But the more you watch it, the more you come to understand that Saito is the visionary leader that the world needs. He sees something that needs to happen. He sees good that he can do by breaking up Fisher's empire that is oppressing the world. And he is not satisfied until he does something about it. He has a strong sense of purpose and mission, such a strong sense of mission that while they're on the journey deep inside the dream space, he when he gets shot inside the first dream and he's going to die inside the third dream down, he's like, just go. He's like, I'll I'll stay and hold them off. You know, this is his mission. He was the one who started it. He's the overall leader of this mission. And he's like operating at the edges. He's like, I'm going into the dreams with the team. And when it comes time, he's like, I will make the sacrifice for the team. So he's not even going to get the benefit from any of this stuff, potentially. So to see that type of leader, like he is the perfect example of a leader that leads at the edges. He has the big picture in mind, and then he's able to get down to that lower level, too, and be there with the team. Yeah, and I think that's going to be a recurring theme as well, is the the leader who is willing to get their hands dirty, the leader who is willing to be there with the team during the difficult times, and also the leader that maybe is willing to make the sacrifice. I think that's going to be a recurring theme as well. And then he has, he leaves us with just an incredible quote that should challenge us if we could just remember it in daily life. Don't you want to take a leap of faith or become an old man filled with regret waiting to die alone? And that quote has so much meaning in this movie as it's repeated a number of times. But when you read that, it just makes you think, am I too complacent? <laughs> am I, when was the last time I took a leap of faith? And so for that, Saito makes the list for me. All right. So for his personal choice, honorable mention, Derek has chosen a non-traditional leader, Michael Scott. So I want to I hear him tell us all about him. Take it away, Derek. Well, I'm going to flip the script here a little bit. (laughs) I want to ask you guys to summarize quickly, why do you think he's not magnanimous? And then I want to put some reasons out there. So I'm I'm curious, though. I want to understand this better. So let's reiterate it and summarize it real quick. On our office episode with Jenny Lee, we identified a bunch of examples where Michael did exactly the wrong thing of what a leader should do, mostly because he always makes it about himself and he's always misunderstanding the principle and trying to follow the surface of what leadership looks like. 
we had a fun conversation about him, but that was kind of the the essence of it was that he was he's always doing the wrong thing because he's not at all compassionate and doesn't really get the deeper meaning behind things in a lot of situations. So what do you see in him? I would say that when I look at Michael Scott, you're right. You're right. I mean, there is there's this this element of huge dominant selfishness there. But I think that it's narrative subverting selfishness. And what I love about it is that he's constantly flipping the script. One of my favorite moments, I don't know why this sticks out to me. You tell me. You tell me. Here's the script. Michael, someone is returning. He started his own company and now he's back. Who could it be? I'll give you a hint. He is a man. A man you have missed with all your heart. A man who has ruined all other men for you. Who is it? And then Ryan says, who is it? Pam says, who is it? It's Michael Scott. And, you know, he finishes it out with hold it up, conference room, five minutes. Now, the thing that he's doing there, number one, he's giving everyone, a, I think this is leading by dumpster fire, basically, and <laughs> leading by spectacle. And I, I think you have to, in reality, you have to be very careful using this, overusing this. But there are times where you can lead by dumpster fire, basically. And that's what Michael does. I mean, if you think about there are a number of times in the show where he basically returns, right? He returns back to the office several times, right? Especially like in the uh, last episode, he, you know, has that wedding return and he brings everybody together. And because there is an endearing quality about, you know, being a dumpster fire, being in a disaster and people wanting to help you. Now, is that manufactured? Is that something that is purely accidental or is it on purpose? You know, we, you won't know that, right? Sometimes I think it is on purpose. Sometimes I think it's the selfishness. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Drew? I mean, Michael Scott is cast as the bumbling idiot, you know, the every person's boss, basically, that they feel like they're complaining about all the time, except he has all the features of every person's boss. So it's like all the bad stuff that everybody complains about their boss doing, not being as smart as them not leading them well, not having a development plan for them, not understanding strategy and their business model and stuff like that. Michael Scott pretty much has all those things going for him or against him. <laughs> but <laughs> I like how you're flipping the script here, Derek, and saying, you know, what can we learn from him? And actually, what would we not be able to learn from somebody else? Because other people don't do the leading by spectacle thing. And well, yeah. there are really good leaders and really like the top tier of leaders do leading by spectacle every once in a while because it's a tactic that is really effective when it is used very rarely and only when it is curated for the audience. But if all we yeah. ever did was read about the good leaders in the world, you know, they're rarely going to lead by spectacle. Yep. And, then, and and here's the thing is that Michael is the omni interest. OK, and that's really important. The note here is that he has found something interesting about everybody, whether he says the wrong thing, puts his foot in his mouth. You can debate that. That's fine. He doesn't really do it on purpose. He does it through a naive bumbling way, like you said. But at the core of it, he found something endearing to love about everybody in the office, even Toby, probably at some point. I know he has seated some point <laughs> about Toby. But the way that you know this for sure is that, and I know, okay, you know, I'm going to do the Brian moment here. Well, that's a trope. At the end, you know, they have everybody come together in the wedding episode and everybody's there and, you know, and Michael Scott has the gray hair and all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. I get that. But then also I do think, you know, there, there is a genuine link to Michael, even with all of the bumbling, dumb things he has done, guess what? The funny thing is they always put this in the background. He's a good salesman, right? He's authentic to a fault. But then each one of those people have had some kind of a uniquely memorable moment 
versus always doing the thing that the system biases to and you know following the HR playbook and following the manager playbook and being like a boring great boss, he experiments a little bit. He is not afraid to mess around to see if something works, doesn't work. If you want to hold the pizza guy for an undetermined number of hours to see what happens, <laughs> you know, good ideas and bad. The point you're is, right. the guy's willing to try something and many times spurious, but dumpster fire. No, you're, abso- you're absolutely right, right? And it's, and that's, you know, that's the, the final proof of it, right, is that he does everything with this crazy, strange joy. And people love him. Like, we love watching him. He's the center of the show. And the the characters, you know, the, the people will follow him despite his flaws. And that's maybe the ultimate arbiter. So I, I appreciate this choice. This is good. Glad to contribute. Okay. Getting into our list of consensus all-stars. Coming in in the number seven spot in a non-Marvel, non-Star Wars, non-science fiction franchise, we have Andy Dufresne from The Shawshank Redemption. This was a non-obvious movie choice, but one that everybody loves. And uh, as we went through this, I think we were struck by a number of attributes of Andy's personality in this movie. And the moments that he takes advantage of the opportunity to be a leader, the opportunity to spread his personal kind of inner joy and his incredible persistence to others. So So what was the moment that struck you here, Drew? So I think we have to go back to the episode that we did with one of the mountaintops that we've already done here. The Mozart moment where he goes through, he does the work to work with this library outside of Shawshank Prison to be able to get these books. He does this for years. He's sending letters to the government to get books from this library or whatever. And when it comes in, it also comes in with this Mozart record. And what does he do? He immediately subverts the narrative with it. He's like, oh, okay, I know what to do with this. You know, he, he's developed a bit of trust with the staff there, and he's able to just walk in, play it over the PA system and the whole prison, and then he locks the door, keeping them out so that he can play it for as long as possible. And it's that moment there that it seems like such a little thing, but the more you dig into it, you realize, like, that is a concentric circles. That is a mountaintop. That is a thing that these people needed, right? This, the, the, this environment was totally lacking in joy. And he's just going to like mainline it straight into everybody's veins, straight into their ears. Is Here's a, an unexpected moment of joy, just to remind you that there is a bigger world out there to aspire to. So yeah, I love that moment. And that absolutely earns him a spot on our all-stars. He just shatters everyone's view of the system. Everyone is so institutionalized. And this Mozart in coming without plan or anything like that, without structure, just opens up just a little crack, a little crack in the system. And he leverages that little crack in the system over and over again. And it's Andy's character that saves many lives, right? And so when we looked at Andy, we said, we can actually be like Andy. You know, the world needs more Andys. The world needs more of these Wonder Tour all-stars. We can be those all-stars. Otherwise, why even aspire to magnanimous character? Right. Take the risks. Be willing to step up and make something unexpected happen. Yeah, he shows us a couple of really good moments in here. Yeah, he has a great deal of mercy and compassion on the people around him in the prison. And he is willing to pay a cost. The whole thing is him paying a cost that he doesn't deserve to pay. But he does it in such a way that creates freedom for many more people. Awesome. In the number six magnanimous leader of the Wonder Tour All-Stars, 
we have one of the classic mentor figures in all of popular cinema. Drew, take it away. All right. Well, you have to go all the way back to episode one for Obi-Wan Kenobi. When we didn't even know what we were doing with Wonder Tour, but we knew that there was something about Obi-Wan that we both wanted to be like Derek. Obi-Wan has this incredible aura about him in the original trilogy when we see him that there's a respect for him immediately. So as a person who did, of course, see the original trilogy before I had all the additional information in the prequel trilogy, but I was pretty young at that time. I I don't think I can say that my picture was fully colored of Obi-Wan or of Ben Kenobi by that point. But it's this idea that, wow, this guy came in here. He's this mentor figure. And then he, in the movie called A New Hope, you know, he realizes that the way that he's going to pass on hope to the galaxy is through this one sacrifice moment. Talk about a flipping the script moment. Obi-Wan finds the perfect flipping the script moment. He gets the moment where he has Luke and he has Vader. He has Vader caught in this trap where in order to be true to Vader's character, he has to kill Obi-Wan. But of course, Obi-Wan was Anakin's mentor. So is there still a piece of Anakin inside? And then, of course, he has his other mentee who is in the other part of the triangle, Luke who is seeing from across the viewport, essentially. I mean, come on. What he does in this moment is like a crystallization of a script flip. He chooses to make the sacrifice. He extinguishes his lightsaber and lets Vader kill him so that he can continue to live on in Luke. And even more importantly, because he needs to be able to pass a message through to Anakin because Anakin is the chosen one. And in the end, it's Anakin who is going to save the galaxy. Talk about knowing it's not about him. And this is a theme that we're going to see, I think, throughout these leaders, right, is that he knows when to be nurturing. He knows when to be challenging. He knows when to be protective. And he knows when it's his time to step up to sacrifice. And that's, like you say, one of the iconic moments in cinema is the, the Vader and Obi-Wan moment. What do you think, Derek? Yeah, I think the one thing that he's mastered the most is this concept of, I wrote down long suffering, which is, I think, an extreme form of patience and strategy with that, right? That you have fused purpose to patience and outcomes long suffering. And he has just mastered that. If you think about all the time he spent on that desert planet, and we get a, a, a bit of a taste of that in the Obi-Wan series, and that's where we brought him back in in the Wonder Tour. We talked about that Obi-Wan series on Disney+. Plus. But we were also looking at that, you know, versus what we did originally in one of the one of the first episodes of Wonder Tour, just looking at how how long the guy plays the game in order to win. That's serious. That is a serious leader right there. Someone who is truly committed to leadership over the long haul. So many people. Here's my new vision. Well, you just had one last year. I thought that was going to be good for a while. No, no, no. This is my new one. What? No, that's not that would not be in Obi-Wan's playbook. He sticks to the plan and he makes a good one the first time, too. So I think that's that's something else. Right. To be able to to know that you made a plan that's worth defending for 20 years. That's yeah, pretty there's good. Persistence and commitment for sure. And there's just kind of, you know, he's and he's got principles. And yeah. Who among us wouldn't love to have an Obi-Wan in our corner? Right. To drag us out of the small world and teach us the ways of the force. I'm in. All right, well, that is our first five of the top 10 Wonder Tour All-Star Magnanimous Leaders. We hope you'll join us again next week as we iterate through the top five. And who do you think might be in number one? What property are we going to be from? 
look forward to sharing that with you next week. In the meantime, thanks so much for joining us for this piece of episode 100. And just remember, as you go about your week, character is destiny.